welcome to Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan, training you to lead with courage. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Courageous Leadership with Virginia Prodan. We, uh, I'm Virginia Prodan, your host. Today, we have a very special guest that is returning again to our podcast. His name is uh, Scott Edelman. He's a um, retired Foreign Service Officer with the United States Department of State. Scott Thank you for coming here. I will put the entire bio, which is very impressive, um, on uh, down on the on the, our podcast, so people uh, can be reminded of your amazing experience all over the world, and especially in the Middle East. I want to remind uh, our audience that I met you many years ago in Romania when you work at the Romanian embassy. So, thank you so very much. Scott, for coming today, we're going to talk about the anti-Semitism spreading in our colleges and, of course, in many places around the world. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Virginia. It's a pleasure to be back, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Um, I thought, um, uh, although we'll talk about the domestic uh, implications and the problems in the college campuses, as well, I thought it might be best uh, to uh, just do an update after we had spoken two weeks ago uh, on what's actually taking place on the ground uh, in the Middle East and uh, the concerns uh, that um, that everyone has about the possibility of this uh, spreading. Um, since we spoke two weeks ago, as you know, uh, the um, the Israelis have taken the initiative uh, in the fight uh, against uh, Hamas. Uh, they have moved forces into Gaza. Um, there's a great deal of what is known as the fog of war. We don't know exactly what's happening on the ground. And even when the Israelis speak about their objectives, and they do speak publicly about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to accomplish it, uh, they have to be a bit vague as well. And so there may even be some deliberate disinformation involved to keep the enemy confused about what's taking place. But in general, it appears uh, that um, after uh, um, trying to remove as much as possible of the civilian population, uh, because uh, Israel's um, um, uh, policy, just like American military policy, is to limit civilian casualties when fighting wars. And, and Israel is also very well aware strategically that Hamas's strategy is the exact opposite. It's to maximize civilian casualties. Um, the Israelis seem to be moving um, to uh, surround uh, the main uh, Hamas center in Gaza City. Uh, Hamas is in, embedded elsewhere in the Gaza Strip, but this seems to be the main center. Uh, and they are uh, launching what seem to be um, relatively small and agile probing attacks uh, against uh, Hamas. Uh, this, again, is, is a strategic uh, concern. Israel um, understands that Hamas was prepared for a massive ground invasion, had prepared booby traps, had prepared uh, traps and, and ambushes, and there's no reason why they would play into Hamas's hands. So they seem to be trying to wear down uh, Hamas uh, as much as possible. Um, in the coverage that we see, of course, uh, on uh, television and the media, um, 
right now because there is ground fighting taking place, even though most of the civilian population of Gaza City seems to have moved to the south after the Israelis uh, warned them and gave them several weeks to do so. Nonetheless, there will be civilian casualties. There are civilian casualties. Uh, and again, this is Hamas's strategy, is to try to wear down um, uh, both Israeli and American uh, determination uh, to continue this fight until it's been eliminated by presenting these casualties and, and calling for halts and ceasefires and so forth. Um, as always, one of the biggest concerns that we have, the Israelis have, the, the United States has, uh, is that this not spread. Uh, to some extent, it already has. Uh, the idea that, um, that Iran is somehow not involved is, is laughable. Um, and uh, again, we engage in a little bit of disinformation of our own uh, when we uh, treat um, uh, recent attacks by Iranian uh, proxies against American forces in uh, Iraq and in Syria as though they're isolated from the fighting in Hamas. That's a bit of disinformation on our part. We're trying to keep it separate, even though to Iran, this is uh, all part of a, a broader um, uh, strategic package. Um, the Iranians are conducting those as probes to see what we'll put up with and what we'll, how we'll react. Uh, they are using uh, Lebanese Hezbollah, which, as we know, is the more powerful force, much more than, than Hamas, to launch probes to tie down Israeli forces in the north and see how much Israel will tolerate in the north. Uh, and they've even been launching uh, missiles and drones from Yemen, uh, from their proxies in Yemen against southern Israel. So far, both uh, American and Israeli, and in one report, interestingly enough, uh, Saudi anti-missile defenses have been used to, to knock these down. Uh, so um, uh, right now, uh, the Iranians are sort of holding off. Um, this, um, there are, um, you know, th there's always the question of the glass half full and the glass half empty. Uh, and a lot of how this, uh, a, lo a lot will depend on how this turns out. Uh, Iran launched this, as we discussed before, Iran launched these attacks um, uh, uh, through, uh, and Hamas is, it may have done the actual operation, had the actual operational decision of when to launch the attack. But the basic planning, supply, and, and training uh, was, uh, was something that Iran was heavily involved in. Um, and to the extent that Iran is pushing all of this from behind the scenes, it had a dual objective. Um, first of all, uh, as we mentioned before, um, with American encouragement uh, now, and particularly in the aftermath of the Trump administration's uh, encouragement of the, of the Abraham Accords, but the Biden administration in recent months as well, um, uh, Israel and the uh, Gulf Arabs, the more progressive Gulf Arab states, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, to, um, uh, and increasingly Saudi Arabia, were talking about building um, a, um, an architecture of security and also prosperity, of mutual trade, mutual exchange, uh, um, of countries which are oriented towards the West, which have a desire to ensure the prosperity of their own people. They, they don't share the same democratic values the United States and Israel has, but they do um, share a desire uh, to, um, uh, for their prosperity of their own people uh, and to be part of the, the broader Western world, the, the modern world. 
Um, Iran stands in opposition to this. Iran and its and its uh, terrorist allies in the region. So trying to disrupt that was one major um, element. The other is Iran's long-standing desire to uh, remove Israel in particular, the United States in general from the region, because we are the Western um, powers which um, uh, which are leading the region in a positive direction, uh, and in doing and and um, and attacking Israel in such a way that it looks weak, and it looks uh, like an unreliable partner uh, to the Arab states that that of course are aligned with Israel, not because, as I said last time, not because they woke up one morning and said, "Gee, we were wrong all along. Jews are nice people all along," but because they realize that this is the modern um, developed Western country in the region and aligning with it means being part of that. So um, I think the Iranians were taken aback and were surprised by the strong reaction the, you know, the United States had. Uh, again, as I've mentioned before, I worked uh, with the American military a decade ago in the region. Uh, and um, both back then I saw the beginnings of this, and since then, especially since um, the Trump administration moved Israel into within the American uh, military structure, the central command, the, the, our, our military structure for dealing with Middle Eastern issues, Israel, Israeli and American forces have planned and trained for precisely this sort of problem for years now. Uh, the level of coordination uh, behind the scenes is very, very great. Uh, all it requires is a political decision to basically take the off-the-shelf plan and, and put it into action. And to the Biden administration's credit, that's what they've done. They've given the go-ahead for American and Israeli militaries to work together in coordination. Uh, even on right now, even right now as, to, as of today, Yes. When everybody or some people are pushing for cease a fire, yeah. the American government is saying, no, it's not possible. That will be a benefit to uh, Hamas. So oh, yes. that, is, uh, that is important. I also want to ask you, what do you think about what Turkish government and the president is doing? Some people are so upset that they are um, calling for Turkish government to be kicked out of, uh, um, you know, European um, uh, system. Well, well um, Turkey is problematic, shall we say. It's, 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 it is an ally of the United States, but it doesn't always act as such uh, under its current government. Um, Turkey, um, ironically, just this week celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Turkish Republic, um, which was founded by, um, uh, by uh, Kemal Ataturk uh, after the First World War, uh, as an effort to move Turkey into the modern world and to be part of the modern Western prosperous world. Um, the current government in Turkey uh, has an ambiguous relationship with that, uh, with that tradition. Um, the current um, president is known to be sympathetic uh, to Hamas and to have a hostile attitude towards uh, the Israelis and to be uh, suspicious, shall we say, to put it diplomatically, of uh, of the United States and the West. Um, it's a delicate problem because it is an important country. It is a country that has 
enormous potential to be a significant uh, force for for progress in the region and has been in the past. Um, I think that um, uh, as 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 a diplomat, not only by profession but by nature, uh, it's always my um, my instinct to move cautiously and to try to figure out uh, how we can uh, dissuade um, the Turkish government from what seems to be right now a, an almost an emotional reaction. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you. Do you think that that emotional reaction, the reaction of others, had an influence of uh, what we are seeing in our college and universities in America? All the demonstrations not, and everything. Not from Turkey, no. But I, uh, but I think what happened. Okay, so to turn to that issue that uh, you were talking about. Uh, there's more to be said about strategy and what have you. But to turn to the issue of the domestic impact in the U.S. Um, again, it's a little bit of a half glass, uh, a glass half full or half empty. And and my tendency is to see the half full part. And I think it's actually more than just half full. Uh, on the positive side, hearteningly, uh, the basic American um, sympathy and uh, uh, for the alliance between the United States and Israel uh, remains very, very strong. Every poll has shown that overwhelmingly uh, the American people are supportive of Israel in this in this fight and understand that Israel is fighting forces that are opposed to the United States as much as they are to to Israel. Exactly. Um, the one fly in the ointment, if you will, the one problem is um, among younger people. Um, younger people, particularly those in colleges, have been influenced, we've discussed this before, by a leftist ideology that has taken hold in a lot of American universities, which I, is... I want to I stop you just a little bit, just to remind our, our audience, you are so right, many of the young people and they have done reports on that. They don't know anything about the Holocaust. They have no idea. Many of them were born, um, don't know anything about 9-11. So some, sometimes, I, and you are so right. Also, those students many times are trained by uh, liberal uh, professors and many of them foreigners. Because the the school accepted money from foreign government in order to have foreign um, um, citizens to teach our children, so that is that is a big problem. Or at least right now that we know, I hope that um, the right the right solution will be will be applied. Well, again, there's um, there's. A positive side to what's taking place as well. Part of the reason that this um, this issue has been latched onto is that uh, on the left, um, you have um, a loose and, and frankly unwieldy coalition of various different interests. It's latched onto um, the, this, uh, the so-called Palestinian uh, issue with Israel. Um, Partly because Israel is such a pro-American, uh, pro-Western, modern society, and the left is hostile to um, uh, an American, uh, a world led by American and Western values. 
that Israel is very much an inherent part of. Um, the one thing um, that that um, that they and and also uh, it's very um, the left has been very used to uh, using an exaggerated version, an exaggerated account of injustices that Jews exist in society in order to gain sympathy among uh, young people. So, for example, a lot of the, the so-called diversity, equity um, uh, uh, agenda is based on the fact that, yes, historically, there was a great deal of discrimination and even racism in American society. We have moved very far beyond that. In my lifetime, things have changed dramatically for the, for the better in America. But that was in the past, but that in it did exist. And so they've exaggerated how much that continues and suggested that that's something that's that somehow is inherent in the in the in the system as opposed to something that was always ana uh, anomalous to the to the American system. Well, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I have been here for 35 years and America has changed. But no matter how bad they will present the situation about the past in America, there is no justification to yeah. push, uh, um, you know, Jewish students uh, in New York in, in the library and bang on the door and say uh, anti-Semitism, you know, and do things or or people in uh, at uh, Cornell University the only things that uh, the 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 university said be very careful avoid this place but, but that was, we have heard and i have seen so many parents saying i, I am very worried about my child about my my uh, it's not a child it's the but it's still using that word it's in college, and it's hard to be Jewish. I never thought that I'm going to see something like this in America. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm what I'm getting at, though. Up to now, the left and the colleges have been used to getting their way with with these things. There's been a great deal of tolerance for it. I think they are being just like I think the Iranians um, in the Middle East were surprised by the American reaction. I think that the left, in, uh, and part of the reason for the hysteria that you're seeing now, is that they ran up against, uh, for the first time, um, a countervalue in American society. First of all, the fact that uh, when you go, um, when, when you turn into an anti-Semitic uh, line, anti-Semitism, although it has existed in American past, is not an inherently American way of looking at the world. In fact, America historically has always been very welcoming to Jews, and we don't have the time for it, but you can go back to the beginning of the country and George, President George Washington welcoming Jews to America and promising this would be a land in which Jews would be equal citizens. Uh, it's a famous letter he wrote in 1790. Um, this is not an American way of looking at things. And, so it turn, and, um, and also in sympathizing not just with Palestinians in general, but with Hamas, which is a, um, by every conceivable definition, a Nazi organization. They speak Arabic instead of German, but in every other respect, their ideology uh, of, of, of raw racist Jew hatred, their, uh, te uh, their techniques, their, their strategies uh, of terrorism and mass murder, 
um, and and simple um, barbarism. Uh, they are Nazis. And so what's actually what's interesting, what's happened is that the left has hit a red line. They've discovered there is a red line. The red line is being pro-Nazi. <laughs> that does not work with the American public in general. Um, yes, it is. Um, it is a shocking problem. It's shocking that so many students did have their minds warped. Um, and that the, and it was and it actually worked sufficiently that they were able to go even past this red line. But we are beginning to see increasingly from some, not all, unfortunately, but from some university administrators and from the American public in general, a reaction to this to say, no, pro-Nazi is over the line. You can you can do you can you can do um, all kinds of cultural issues and there are all sorts of, you know, um, we can go into all the other cultural issues that the left is engaged in, some of which get to the point of utter ridiculousness, the whole men can be pregnant stuff and whatever. But people were tolerant up to this point. Um, and the maybe it's the inherent optimist in me. Um, uh, and the fact that, again, you know, it, it's, it surprised people, but at the same time, um, I want to take a step back. Um, I have, shall we say, the personal experience of being uh, Jewish in America as an American um, of, of Jewish ancestry and Jewish faith and Jewish heritage, and proudly so, for more than three, uh, more than two thirds of a century. Um, and I know that things have changed in America too. That even the social antisemitism that existed uh, when I was a child does not exist in most of American society today. So, um, uh, in, in, um, so I, I have a feeling that, that, uh, just as, as it's possible, if we are steady in our, uh, determination internationally in dealing with the military issue there, but also steady in our reaction here in the States in rejecting, uh, in rejecting this, which I think most of the American public will, we may actually, this may actually turn out to be a reversal. The one time that the that the that the advancing left in the universities has hit a brick wall has found that there is a limit, there is a red line beyond which they can't go. Well, um, I, I hope you are right because I uh, I want to see the government doing a little bit more. I'm very happy that some of the uh, some of uh, the donors of those schools decided to stop yes. their donation, which is really good. Some of the law firm took away from students the, the contract that they uh, they provided like few few days before the demonstration. It wasn't the demonstration, it was what they supported because what those, those companies said and donors said, you have the right to express yourself and, and we are here to listen even we don't agree, but when you cross the line, we don't want you in our culture, in our culture, meaning in our office, or we don't want to make contribution to a university that um, is for killing people. And let's not forget that many demonstration was not only scream, gas the Jews, but kill Americans too. Yeah. So that is, uh, that is frightening to see people even in Russia uh, running and being so close to, uh, to the plane 
and just trying to do all kinds of things. I, I mean, this mom overwhelmed the security, I assume, there. So uh, I hope that uh, all these uh, things that we see all over will not inspire more people, but people will stand up. And you're right. This is a moment when we have to take notes and believe people for what they said and who they finally taking the mask off, tell us they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I do think, as I said, it, it's, it, I'm not trying to minimize the seriousness of this, but, um, but as a, it, this has been a clarifying moment. Uh, we have seen who really is um, willing to, to um, go over the red line and who isn't. Um, and again, the, the heartening thing is the vast majority of the American public simply does not accept this. This is, this is the point at which I think most people say, no, enough is enough. Uh, and uh, I agree seeing- with you. I agree with you. The reaction that, that the Jewish people should have, yes, is frightening, but I, I agree with you is not to be frightened to stand up and speak up the truth and help others to speak up the truth too. Yeah. And that's really, we, we had talked before about how people uh, can be supportive. Um, uh, I have, uh, as, as we've mentioned, um, uh, I have um, both family and close friends in, in Israel. Um, I have, by the way, a few uh, good friends in Lebanon as well. And I have to say that, it, that um, uh, I think of them and hope that they are, they're, they're certainly not Hezbollah supporters on the contrary, but I hope that they are um, uh, not drawn into, uh, all of this. Um, and, and what I hear from people in Israel continuously now is that, um, as much as anything else, they just want to be heard. They want people to, um, to let them know that they're not alone. Uh, they are deeply grateful, um, to, uh, the United States for the support that we've supplied so far. Um, we just hope that that uh, that the administration remains steady in doing so. Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, I and I agree with you. We we need to stand up with them. It's like their government and our government. Uh, you know, ceasing fire, it's not the time. You know, America did not, uh, you know, cease the fire at Pearl Harbor on 9-11. And and even last time you said, you know, um, some of the people in Germany were killed even though they were not part of Nazi, but at least the next generation. Uh, because the the Nazi was eradicated, the next generation were able to live in a, in a better place yes. and with a better value. So we hope the same thing for Gaza people. We yes. feel sorry if they will be uh, some of them they will be killed in the process. But looking at the long run, we hope that the long run they will live under a better government. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. I have a bit of a cough these days. <coughs> Pardon me. That's um, well. That gets back to what we were talking about: the the uh, tactics and strategy of the war. 
take me one moment just to catch my breath. No, no problem at all. Yeah, that's um, your uh, as, as a last comment to our our. You mentioned you start to mention about how people can can help people of Israel, and I know one of the things is to let them know that we stand for them. They are not alone. There is something else that you want to share. <laughs> well, <coughs> again, excuse me. Forgive me for the cough. Um, as I said, um, uh, one of the, um, in the next several weeks, as this continues, uh, we are going to be seeing a lot of, um, news about the civilian casualties in Gaza, uh, which are regrettable. Um, it's important for people to keep themselves well informed and to understand what's really taking place here. Um, the um, the Israelis um, are no different from Americans in that um, our militaries are, are based on a certain moral sense of war, what's called just war theory, which is to minimize civilian casualties. It's part of, of our shared um, uh, ethical structure. Uh, beyond that, as a matter of simple um, interest, Israel has no interest in harming Gaza civilians. There's every interest in the world in minimizing the number of civilian casualties. People need, when they're, when they're watching this, need to keep that in mind and need to keep um, repeating that the, the number of casualties is being exaggerated by Hamas. The U.S. government has also said that precisely because that is their strategy. But I will also say people have to be reminded that who started and all the atrocities and all the even uh, young kids, like among kids and so forth. Be reminded of the the Jewish German uh, girl who was, you know, taken from uh, from from Israel and paraded all over Gaza and she was killed. They finally discovered and they did the DNA and they, uh, they can prove now that she is, she is dead and had the um, information to her parents. But you, you are right. Uh, it, will, it will get worse and unfortunately this is part of the war. But in order to eradicate the... A bad Hamas and create a, a better future. I will say also that Israel fights not only for Israel or for people in Gaza. Israel fights for the entire world to kill um, a very, very bad uh, terrorist um government that lives in, uh, the leaders live in a um, amazing elite kind of life and takes, um, you know, put people in Gaza uh, in, a, in a very dangerous uh, position. Well, in a, in a broad strategic sense, and this is something I was going to get to earlier, but, but we went off on a different topic. Um, if Israel succeeds in eliminating Hamas from Gaza and um, 
with the uh, support of the United States, succeeds in holding the Iranians at bay so that the Iranians are not capable of doing more than these probing pinprick attacks that they're currently conducting against American and Israeli forces. Um, this could actually turn out to be uh, the exact opposite of what the Iranians intended. They looked to show that Israel was weak. And instead, it may turn out to have, we, if, if the United States is strong and resolute in supporting Israel in this, we may be able to demonstrate just how weak and hollow the Iranian force is. Because Iran, if Israel can eliminate Hamas, it will have eliminated one of uh, Iran's significant assets in the region, and it will have shown that the Iranians were powerless to do anything about it. You are perfectly right. Uh, not only that, but eliminate uh, an organization that can turn next to us, to yeah. America. So, but, but again, it's this is um, you know we we discussed this a little bit last time. Iran is part of a larger coalition. It is a loose coalition of what, um, in international relations theory, admittedly as a diplomat, I, I sometimes fall back on the old uh, theory but um, is referred to as revisionist powers. In the 1930s, Germany and Japan were revisionist powers. They did not like the, um, the, the uh, Western world, and the Soviet Union to some extent, uh, great, to a great extent also. They did not like the settlement at the end of the First World War. They did not, uh, they opposed uh, growing, uh, they opposed prosperity and, and growth in the, in the Western world. They wanted to revise, they wanted to change that. Today's revisionist powers, um, Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, are opposed to um, the development of an architecture throughout the world, not just in the Middle East, but in Europe and in East Asia, of modern, progressive, in many cases democratic, but in all cases pro-Western societies that uh, have as their objective growth and prosperity and exchange among their peoples. Um, and um, and to the extent that Israel is under attack, to the extent that Ukraine is under attack, to the extent that China threatens Taiwan, um, and that North Korea threatens South Korea and Japan, um, all of this are efforts by the revisionists to, to attack the West. If, as I said, if in this instance, um, Israel with American backing is able to reverse that, um, and if, um, as we hope will be the case, uh, Ukraine is able to defend itself successfully against the Russians, this sends a powerful message. First, it's a deterrent message to the revisionists to show that they will be opposed and that we can oppose them successfully. And also, it sends a message to all the countries that are, that are hanging in between, including, as I mentioned, the more progressive Arab states. Um, it sends a message... This is the strong horse, not the revisionists, not Iran, not, not uh, the Russians and the Chinese. The strong horse is the West. Um, uh, and that's what we want to be part of. So oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, I like uh, to conclude on, on that. You just said it in a, such a beautiful way. And I hope that our audience will take note of uh, the perspective, the real perspective that you gave uh, us in what is going on and how this will look at the end, even uh, maybe in between uh, might, be, um, might be difficult. 
Well, Scott, thank you so very much again for coming to our podcast. We uh, love every idea that you have and your experience as as a diplomat, your experience as a Jewish person, as uh, a Jewish faith. And uh, we hope to see you again, maybe under uh, different circumstances. But um, until next time, we just want to thank you so very much. Thank you very much. If you want to know more about Virginia Prodan, her coaching program, buy her book, Saving My Assassin, or invite Virginia to speak at your events, visit virginiaprodanbooks.com.